Black and Abdallah, you just had some Bears Weekly. Let's continue the Bears conversation until 8 o'clock. If you want to join the conversation, you can call us at 312-332-3776. It's Black and Abdallah on a Thursday night. And Abdallah, it's time to start to focus in on the weekend and this Bears and Saints matchup down in New Orleans. The Bears are going to face off against a very tough defense, whether or not the backup quarterback, Tyson Bajant, can come through in another test. You know, something we've talked about this week, Abdallah, is I just want to see more from the backup quarterback. I'm not saying that he needs to be a starter. I'm not giving you that hot take. I think Justin Fields needs to play the moment he's healthy. But I do find some level of intrigue in this week's game because I want to see more from Tyson Bajant against the Saints. No, I completely agree with you. And I think that, you know, this will be a better test even though last week was still a very good defense but like statistically you're looking at a team that in the saints is much better on defense than the chargers were like the saints are a top 10 defense in basically every single metric defensively and uh, that will obviously be tough for Tyson Bajan and this offense that seems to struggle against better defenses but also on the flip side like their offense isn't the worst. They're like right in the middle of the pack in offensive stats. I mean, you've got Derek Carr, you've got um, Alvin Kamara, you've got a bunch of guys that can kind of run all over you. And, and when you've got good skill position players, like we saw with the Chargers, and you've got a competent quarterback, like we, we saw with the Chargers. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not saying that Derek Carr is is Herbert or in the same, you know, but he's a formidable quarterback. Like, he can move the ball down the field when he needs to. Sure. And I feel like that is when this team will start to struggle. Now, if Montez Sweat plays, that could be a different thing. You know, like, he's in the building now. He said yesterday that he looks like he could play on on Sunday. Maybe that factors. I don't think it does because the line has only gone up. Like, right now, you're looking at Saints as an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. It opened at seven when we were starting talking about this on Monday. Like, it is an eight-and-a-half-point game right now. This is back to what it was against the Chargers a week ago, and we've gone through the record of Matt Eberflew's teams against the spread, three and six against the spread, when an underdog of a touchdown or more. And that means you're not showing up to games. That means that at the end of this game, during the witching hour on the red zone, when wins become losses and losses become wins, your loss stays a loss. In fact, grows into a larger loss because there's no chance of the Bears coming back because in the Matt Eberflus era, once they're down, they rarely come back from that deficit. You also mentioned it, you know, that record against the spread when the point spread is of seven points or more. They've only won one of those games. So, like, they've covered three, but they've only won one. Yeah. Like, that. that's the other glaring thing heading into this matchup is in those style of games, it does not seem... As if Matt Eberflus gets his team prepared to play. And from the jump, they get blown out. Twice this season, that's happened. Kansas City and then the Chargers game uh, that took place last Sunday. And, you know, we, we kind of discussed the Chargers defense last week going into that game. The pass defense was bad. Quarterback was going to have to throw the ball to allow the Bears to win. But it seems to me as we kind of go through each and every week of this season... The only way the quarterback of this offense is successful, Bajant or Fields, is if the run game leads the way. Now, here's the the flip card to that. Last week against the Chargers, the Chargers were top 10 against the run. And, and so it was the secondary 
That's the problem for the Chargers defense. You flip it to the Saints. The Saints overall as a defensive unit, uh, they're top six. They're the sixth uh, team against yards per play defensively. Well, here's the one catch, though. Against the run, they're 15th. So right in the middle of the pack. Mm -hmm. And my question would be, does Getze need to go back to the way he was calling plays when it was run first and then build everything off of it? No matter if it's Fields or Bajan, whoever that quarterback is, run first and then play action, get the quarterback out of the pocket, allow him to be more successful. I like the timing that Bajan kind of brings to the offense. I think it, it's it's certainly something I want to see a little bit more of, but don't ditch the run game. It felt like against the Chargers, Getze ditched the run game, and it came to this uh, very basic play calling, run first down, second down, oh, we're third and long. Oh, here we go, we punt. And it was like the same pattern over and over again. And obviously the penalties don't help with that, but I, I thought that that's what we saw last week against the Chargers. I think the problem is that, and it's something that Chris Collinsworth said during the game, that he took a lot of crap during the game, Chris Collinsworth did, the, for stuff he said. But what I, one thing I did believe to be true is that he at one point said, you got to take shots down the field, and sometimes you need to pass to set up the run. When a team knows that you've got a quarterback like Bajent yep. in a backup role that you're going to try to control the clock and keep the ball out of out of Herbert's hands and try to control the game that way with time of possession and keeping the ball on the ground and limiting turnovers they're going to key in on that and they're going to do everything they can to stop the run so the Saints might be 15th against the run but that doesn't mean that they're not going to be able to stop it because if they know that Bajent can't beat them with his arm then they're just going to they're going to dare him to throw yeah. They're going to they're going to go all out against the run and you're going to get into a same situation where, you know, this is an offense that could move the ball against the Bears defense and all of a sudden you're staring at 14 to 3 and then you've got to throw the ball but they can't do it because Tyson Bajan hasn't proved that he's been able to yet and win games or even keep the team in games except for the one that he won against a team that fired their head coach and GM a few days ago. So I understand the want to go run, run, pass, run, run, pass, and, and, and get off the bus running, quote-unquote. But you have to pass the ball to prove that you can do it to keep the defense honest so you can run the ball. Well, and that, that to me is why the run game has to be efficient. If they're not gaining yardage on the ground, you're putting your quarterback in a bad spot. But also, they work hand-in-hand. Hand. And I think that's where this whole thing is like, last week... They were blown out from the jump. But I think it was a mixture of play calling, penalties, bad defense that created that. Mm -hmm. At no point were they doing anything last week that allowed them to stick around in a game. That's the problem. When you're a big-time underdog, 8 points, 7 points, 9 points, they're not even sticking in these games and making it competitive past halftime. They're getting blown out in the first quarter. And, and that is due to... An inability to run the football against a stout run defense in the Chargers last week. And you're going to go against middle-of-the-pack defensive unit in the Saints this week on, on the as far as stopping the run. And, and you need to run the football to allow your quarterback to then pass down the field and have complimentary football. It's something that we need to see on the offensive side from Luke Etzi. And the other thing from last week that I find a little strange is... You notice that they go to the trick play pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Like teams that are good 
don't go to the trick play on the second series. That's some, like, that's low desperation. Level, that's low-level SEC against Alabama-Georgia. Like, we're pulling out all the stops because Vandy, we need— Vandy against Bama. Yeah, we need everything to try to hang in this game and maybe catch them off guard. You know, and the Jets sweeps to nowhere. We need to stop with that. Like, let's move the football forward. And let's have the quarterback use his tight ends, his running backs in the passing game, and then get the ball to DJ Moore. That's what I want to see in this contest. I want to see DJ Moore have a great game. Uh, today at Hallisall, you know, throughout the week, it's been a crazy week at Hallisall, a lot going on. Uh, this week, the Bears practiced uh, today up at Hallisall. And here's the injury report from today. A couple notables is Jaquan Brisker is still in concussion protocol. He missed last weekend's game. With the concussion, he was ill heading into the weekend. He didn't travel with the team. They announced that he had a concussion after the weekend. So it seemed like he passed protocol last week, came down with concussion-like symptoms over the weekend, and now he's still in concussion protocol as of today. Uh, No practice for Nate Davis, ankle injury. Tremaine Edmonds, star linebacker with his knee injury, does not practice for the second day. I would imagine he will be out. Against the Saints. That's going to be a big blow. Mm -hmm. I will say, uh, as far as players who are practicing, Eddie Jackson with his foot injury has practiced the last two days. Braxton Jones with his neck injury. He's been limited in the last two days. And Lucas Patrick with his back injury. He's been a full participant the last two days of practice. Yeah, and I, I would like to point something out, too, as we head into this game against the Saints, right? Like, we talk a lot about Luke Getze, and we've talked a lot about, um, you know, during our five up, five downs about Brian Dable, right? And how Luke Getze was the only defensive-minded head coach that was hired during... Matt Eberflus. Matt Eberflus, sorry. Matt Eberflus was the only uh, head coach that was hired that was defensive-minded. Dennis Allen was promoted that same year. Yeah. Defensive coordinator for the Saints was promoted to head coach. They took the interim tag off. He was promoted. And now you're looking at two teams. One of them is an eight-and-a-half-point home favorite. The Bears wouldn't be an eight-and-a-half-point home favorite against any team in the NFL. Yeah, You're looking at a—and the reason— I know they have Alvin Kamara. I know that Derek Carr's a better quarterback than Justin Fields and then Tyson Bajan. But the reason that they're a favorite is because of having a top 10 defense. They're eighth in defensive DVOA. Now, if you would have told me that the Bears would be 500, but they would have a top 10 defense, we still might have some question marks about Justin Fields. He's hurt. Bajan comes in, manages the game, whatever. The point being, if the Bears were 500 and the defense was top 10 the way the Saints are, I don't think we would be having the conversations of is Matt Eberflus the guy? I think we would still be having the conversations of is Justin the guy? You know, what do you do with Bajin? Like looking at quarterbacks for the future, that kind of thing. I would feel a lot different about this organization if they if they were in the same situation as the Saints, even though it's only two more wins. Well, you'd feel a lot better about the head coach because he yeah. has a unit that's proving to be top 10 in the league. Yeah. That would be a huge difference. I totally agree with you. I think that absolutely would play a part in the perception to how we think this season's going. You mentioned DVOA. I mean, the Bears right now, they're 24th in defensive yards per play. 24th. Yeah. That's nowhere near top 10 defense. No. New Orleans, they're sixth. So to your point, that's where the defensive-minded head coach is hired, and you're seeing some results with the Saints not the same here with the Chicago Bears. We'll take your calls at 312-332-3776. 
And also coming up next, we preview the gambling weekend with the Fat Jack. You're listening to Black and Abdallah. ESPN Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. It's Black and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. We love football. We have Thursday night football tonight. We have a big Bears and Saints matchup that we need to get to. It's time to preview this week's games with the Fat Jack. Here comes the money. Ready to fatten up your winnings? Got something to eat up in there? We home. For the best football picks, give Jack a call at 800-298-1383 or FatJackSports.com. Fat Jack feeds you his picks now. Get in my belly! Here comes the money. That's right. Sign up today. Go to FatJackSports.com or call 800-298-1383. Jack, how'd you do last week? Yeah, only sign up if you want to win, guys. It's, <laughs> we're just absolutely dialed in. I mean, 16-2 and two run in the NFL. I mean, come on. That's Everybody's winning the NFL. 3-1 uh, and one on uh, Sunday, and I'm not even upset about the one loss. I had Baltimore was our one loss, and they, if you watch that game at the end, they're up double digits, give up an onside kick, a meaningless field goal. So that was our one loss. But that literally, we've only had one other loss. We were 3-1 and one, uh, three Sundays ago, 5-0, and oh, two Sundays ago, 3-1 and one this last Sunday, and then it hit Mondays and Thursdays every week since. So really dialed in the NFL. Uh, NBA started out, we hit five or six in a row. Now we've lost three or four in a row. That's why that cost a lot less money. But bottom line, guys, everybody's making money right now. Um, not only college, NFL, but college football as well. Go to FatJackSports.com. This weekend special. Uh, if you sign up, you get the Breeders' Cup plays for Saturday for free. There's eight Breeders' Cup races. You don't pay for those at all. They're thrown in absolutely free. We can sign up for a football or combo package. So it's just added uh, opportunity to make money. You also have college basketball starting up on Monday. So another reason to go to FatJackSports.com, 169 through Monday or 489, or excuse me, 469 all the way through the end of November. So great time to get signed up, great time to win if you're betting the games and an added bonus with those Breeders' Cup plays this weekend. Jack, let's look at tonight. You've got the Steelers at home. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Some places it's three. I'm looking at two-and-a-half right now. And the lowest total of the week so far uh, for this NFL week, unless something else moves, uh, 36-and-a-half. You've got a backup quarterback who looked pretty good for Tennessee last week and Will Levis. And, of course, the Steelers at home getting less than a field or giving less than a field goal. So what do you think of this one? Yeah, this is uh, one of those I think people expect a little bit of a regression out of Levitt. He had a great start last week. Under is certainly the trend for both of these teams. Tennessee, five of their last five road games have gone under. Tennessee, nine of their last 11 overall games have gone under. Pittsburgh, five of their last five have gone under. And six of their last seven uh, all year have gone under. So this, neither of these teams score a lot. That's why the total is so low. Uh, there's some college games that have lower totals, but very few NFL games are going to be this low. Lean toward the under for sure. I actually think there will be a regression from Levitt. I don't think he was that everybody on Tennessee staff didn't know how to evaluate talent, and he just happened to be sitting over there ready to be the all-star 
uh, four touchdowns a game type quarterback. I suspect uh, Pittsburgh will play well at home. Uh, they're getting healthy at the right time, and I, I think that they actually win. That's why this number is vacillating. Get it at two and a half if you can. It's about 50-50 right now out here in Las Vegas. You get some threes, uh, but if you can get two and a half, that's even better because low-scoring games. Generally speaking, you look underdog, but I, in this one, I like Pittsburgh. Like I said, we're not losing the NFL game, so I'd lay the points to play the Steelers. Jack, stop me if you've heard this before. The uh, Chicago Bears are coming off a bad loss on national television, and now they're <laughs> on the road and once again a big-time underdog. Uh, it, this spot for the Chicago Bears, traditionally, Matt Eberflus has shown us that his teams do not perform well in this type of spot. Bears and Saints on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're enjoying the Bears' season, I guess, so far. <laughs> Going really well. It's a really solid outing. Um, I'll tell you this. Here's the only saving grace, is that you you have a, a Bears team that, that the drop-off they're getting at quarterback um, is not as great as you might think. With Justin Fields, the perception of how good he is or isn't is totally different from the reality. And you have a New Orleans team that is very one-dimensional offensively. They have Alvin Kamara. Uh, they, they run Taysom Hill some. But Carr is not going to beat you deep a whole lot. And the Bears' defense has played a little bit better. So there's a lot of room. I, I think the perception of you know, backup quarterbacks and the Bears are so bad, their defense is so bad, it's going to create some value. Um, eight of the last ten Bears games on the road have gone over the total. Um, and, you know, Chicago's been living over. I mean, six of their last eight this year have gone over. But New Orleans is not going to score a bunch of points. Uh, and so that helps when you have a bad defense. You want an offense that typically typically doesn't score a lot. Uh, they're going to try to live somewhere in the 20s at the most, and that's going to create at least a backdoor to cover. Uh, this uh, The last 14 games, New Orleans gone under 12 of them, so they don't score a bunch of points. Total's 41 in this one. Uh, so, again, uh, there's a lot of room to back to get in the back door here. I don't think Chicago's going to be inept offensively, and I don't think New Orleans is going to run away and hide offensively. They're not going to go out and score 40. You, I wouldn't think they had a good outing last week, but generally speaking, this is an under-type team and not an incredible defense. So I would I play the Bears plus the points here just on value alone. This time of year, you're taking advantage of the perception versus the reality, how bad players coming into these key positions are. Um, we were talking about this, but 72% of all the starting quarterbacks from the start of the year, they, are, um, they, they got injured. They've been out at some point during the year. I mean, these are squid game numbers. I mean, you got quarterbacks that are going out left and right. 72% of them uh, from the start of the year have been injured. So how to handle backup quarterbacks is a, a big part of how to make money in November. And this is one of those examples. Perception of how far the drop-off here from fields down uh, is a lot greater than the reality of how fields is played, especially against the numbers. We've got an early game Sunday morning in Germany. The Kansas City Chiefs are a one-and-a-half-point favorite against the Dolphins. The total in this game is 50-and-a-half. Is this a good spot to jump on the Chiefs after their loss last week? Yeah, you know, one of the, you'll see if you go to FatJackSports.com under the results tab that Broncos were one of our plays. I released them last week. I did not think that the Chiefs would turn it over 16 times or whatever they did. And I was actually at the game. By the way, incredibly cold. I don't, don't encourage that without a coat. Uh, it was super cold in Denver. Um, but uh, this is a um, Kansas City team that uh, has been kind of Jekyll and Hyde offensively. The, the perception of how good they are offensively certainly not the reality, but certainly not giving the ball away. Mahomes did have the flu. A lot of travel for both these teams. And how will they handle that? I think Kansas City probably a little more prepared for the travel as they've done this before. Um, I, I think the under is the best play in the game. Generally speaking, what happens with Kansas City is when they play great defenses, they go over the total. 
Uh, it's contrary to what you think. And when they play okay defenses and powerful offenses, they typically stay under the total. They control time of possession with their offense. Andy Reid goes more conservative, understanding that number one goal is to keep Tyreek Hill and company off of the field, on the sidelines, sitting over there doing the math on what time it actually is in New York City after falling back. Those type things are what you're going to get out of this Kansas City team. So don't expect a ton of points. I'd go under the 50 and a half. Uh, also, Kansas City, uh, six of their eight games this year have gone under. So they're not scoring a ton of points. Um, Miami obviously going over on a regular basis. But Andy Reid, I believe in what he is as a coach. He will bring that Miami Dolphins down to reality at least a little bit. That's why the number's so close. So I would play under the total first. And then last team to get the ball wins type of deal. Both these offenses are very capable late in games. So I stay away from the side. You're going to sleep in for sure. Just play the under. You know, Adam kind of mentioned like trying to figure out teams and where they stand at this point of the season. L.A. Rams, Green Bay Packers. I think first blush would suggest the Packers are one of the worst teams in the league. The Rams have kind of gone up and down. I don't really know how to handle this game. What what should we do here? The Packers are the favorite at home. Yeah, you always try to find a game or two that nobody in the world wants to watch that we're going to have to we're going to have to at least think about betting on. I mean, that's where we are here. Who wants to watch Green Bay? They can't throw <laughs> they couldn't throw it to you and I if I was standing over there at that at that movie theater, you know, place where all the concerts are across the street from your studio. They yeah, could right. not throw it. He, he could not throw it to me over there. Uh, just, he, he would hit the he'd hit the billboard. He'd be knocking <laughs> lights out. The dude is not a down the field passer by any stretch. Put him at the, put put me a Chick Fil A. Listen. You couldn't put Tyreek Hill at Chick-fil-A and have Jordan Love hit him. Not a thing. So I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of offense here either. The Rams have been nine of their 13 road games have gone under the total, um, and they're five and three of the under this year. Uh, Green Bay has owned the series. Uh, they are five and all against the spread their last five in the series when it's played at Lambeau. Um, but I, this is one of those – that's another a low-scoring game. Don't make mistakes. And there's a few of those this week. Now, there are, there, there are going to be some outliers. I think that Arizona-Cleveland game absolutely has a chance to get over the total. Last week, my e, the easiest play, we had New Orleans going over. They scored 38 by themselves. The total was like 43. So there are some of the games that, that you think would go under that are going to go over this week, but this is not one of them. I would go under with this game. Uh, the Rams know that they cannot turn the ball over. They cannot make mistakes. And, and, and the only way that you get blown out by Green Bay is if you give them a bunch of short fields because their offense is not very good. First time all year, we also heard the GM say they, they're not sure Jordan Love is the answer long term. I think there is a lot of weight in that statement. I think that they understand that he is very limited, not just compared to Aaron Rodgers. So I go under the 38 and a half on that one. Huge game in that division for the Cowboys and the Eagles. The Eagles, a three-point favorite. They're the best team in the NFL record-wise. Total here of 46.5. I can't think of a bigger game on this uh, this weekend than this one right here for the Cowboys and the Eagles. What do you think of this one, Jack? Yeah, if it's not the game between Miami and Kansas City, it's certainly this one. And I don't think the line's going to matter at all. I, I, I have a, just have a feeling this will be a mistake-driven game, and whoever makes the most mistakes will get blown out. I mean, both these teams are capable of running away and hide, especially if you get Dak Prescott turning the ball over. What he's been over the last more than a year is a team that when he plays bad teams, he looks fine. When he plays good teams, he gives them the ball extra times, and that good team takes advantage of it, and they lose games, and everybody thinks we need to trade Dak Prescott. And Jerry Jones says, no, we're not going to. He's the future. So I think that probably happens here. Turnovers will determine this. Now, I will tell you, Dallas has really owned the series lately, covering 80% of the time, 4-1 and one against the spread their last five. Um, and also, this game typically produces a lot of points, five of the last five in the series. All five have gone over the total. 
Uh, Total in this one's upwards of around 46, 47 points. I would go over, not so much because you're going to get incredible outputs by the offense, but because you are going to get some takeaways. Both of these defenses are very stingy, very problematic for teams that make mistakes. I expect short fields. Short fields with both of these offenses will result in touchdowns. So over the total first. Secondly, again, you can check the turnover category first to know who won. And I do think one of these things, my, my instinct is, is that Prescott will do what he typically does, turn the ball over against good teams, even with that banged-up secondary at Philadelphia. So I'd lean toward Philly minus the points, but a better play on the over. Two good defenses, Seahawks, Ravens. I see that the, the number at the moment, Baltimore is a, a six-point favorite at home. Am I crazy to think that that number is way too big for this matchup? I mean, it, you can with Baltimore, with especially Lamar Jackson, you can put a highlight reel together. This line's not enough. It needs to be nine. Or so. hmm. uh, they look great, and then at other times, you're like, "How are they favored?" Yeah. I mean, they they literally have run the gauntlet on how they played weekly. This last week, not indicative of either one. They owned the game, dominated the game, then basically couldn't cover an onside with the receiver to end up not covering. Um, I, as you guys know, I have Baltimore going a long way this year as the longer shot to be able to make a run toward the Super Bowl. We got them at 18-1 to 1 when I came through in the summer. Um, and I'm not super confident at this point. They're going to need more diversity offensively. And, and uh, frankly, Lamar's Jackson is going to have to be more consistent. Um, Seattle has been really good. They also picked up some players at the trade deadline, or eight player or two that should help them. Um, nine of the last ten Baltimore games at home have gone under. So anytime you're laying about a touchdown, you always worry about, you know, just points of productivity. And um, – you know, they definitely – Harbaugh cares about covering in the preseason, it seems like, not so much during the regular season. Um, and also, Seattle's covered four of their last six. They're 4-1-1 against the spread their last six. So, I lean towards Seattle plus the points here in a, a low-scoring, close game. Um, Baltimore, again, they, they are – if they take their medication and are consistent with what we know they can be, they might win by three touchdowns. If they don't, make a few mistakes, don't cover a fourth down, give up a long play or two, this game stays really close. So, uh, lean toward the under and Seattle plus the points. Sunday night football should be a great matchup. <laughs> the Bengals, a point and a half favorite at home against the Buffalo. The, Beng- the Buffalo Bills, the Bengals have been playing really well, especially after that beating of the 49ers last week. Another high total, 49 and a half for this, uh, for this one. Does the Bengals run continue if they finally turned it around here, Jack? Yeah, I mean, it's like Cincinnati has a light switch, and they just flip it on at some point, and all of a sudden they're relevant. I mean, early in the year, this team had a horrible offensive line. They couldn't run the football at all. Burroughs has lowest passing rating in his entire career. And now we're like, hey, this team, this team's out of the woods. They've turned the corner. Let's look for them in January. Um, I think they're somewhere in between that. And Buffalo has, has problems of its own, especially when they go on the road. The easiest play in this, you know, I, I do that TV show Beat the Odds, and I'm 8-1 and one with my best bet on that show. And this game has my best bet for this week. Under the total is by far the best play in this game. Buffalo is one of those teams. Josh Allen is perceived to be an offensive juggernaut, and we see highlights of him with his legs. But this team, especially when they go on the road, it starts with the coaching on down. They go under the total almost always. Nine of their last 11 road games have gone under. They, they don't take chances. They don't turn the ball. We've seen what's happened when they turn the ball over. They lose games uh, when Josh Allen gets turned loose. So as long as they're in this and Cincinnati doesn't go crazy offensively, and I don't think they're going to, the Buffalo defense is pretty good. Um, I think four of the last five in the series have gone under, and nine of the last 11 Buffalo games have gone under. Uh, Buffalo 5-3 and three to the under this year. 
And as I said, on the road, they're almost automatic. Under the 49, and it's, it's actually still going up, so you might be able to get 50 by game time. But under the 49 and a half, uh, and then a lean toward Buffalo. I do not believe Cincinnati is all the way back. Lower scoring game. Look for the, the more um, consistent play on offense. I'll take Josh Allen over Burroughs by, by just a nose. Uh, but, yeah, I'll tell you, uh, Buffalo plus the point and then definitely under. Jack, you always make fun of us when we ask about games that you shouldn't be watching. Patriots, Commanders. You're Giants in Las Vegas? Well, no, I, I, I was looking at Commanders, There's Patriots. There's a few of them he could have gone yeah, with this no, week, I Jack. Uh, I, I would just ask this question. Is there any value in a team that's the underdog who just traded away their two best defensive players in the Commanders? No, there's there's definitely not. And I'm definitely <laughs> always the guy trying to swim upstream on this stuff. You'll rarely hear me say that. I mean, I typically, backup quarterback, sign me up. Yeah. Injuries are running back. I'll take them for, for double. You know, those type things you'll typically always get. But at the trade deadline, would somebody in that office said, you know what? We've been okay. But let's see how we'll do We give away all of our pass rushers. I mean, how does that go over in the locker room? I understand that they are all playing for their job. But I just don't know how they look around and say, where the heck? Where's our pass rush? Well, they, they're on an airplane. They're, they're flying first class to someplace else. How that translates. And I don't think New England is as bad as a record. I mean, this New England team, I, I get why they're bad and their offense is not good. And when they turn the ball over, it's almost not even close. But I don't, I don't, I'm not saying Washington's going to phone it in. That doesn't happen in the NFL. But I am saying they are going to take, their pass rush is going to suffer. They give away two of their best players. And they definitely, are, this is the type of game where New England, especially at home, they'll field goal you to death. I mean, they can keep Washington out of the end zone. And so I, I think this is a low-scoring game. I, I, I somewhere in the 15 to 7 type, type uh, under the under the 40 and a half lead toward New England. Jack, on Saturday, LSU and Alabama, huge matchup in the SEC. Alabama, a three-point home favorite, some injuries to the LSU defensive side of the ball. Uh, Jalen Milrow, the roller coaster that is his quarterbacking. You can jump on that if you want to. And 61.5 is the total for this game. This is a far cry away from Les Miles for LSU and Alabama when it was 6-3, to three, a final like over a decade ago. So what do you think of this one? Yeah, this, I mean... You got, if you're going to play it, go over for sure. I'm, I'm not going to play it, but this, I, I lean toward LSU. Vegas likes LSU. The line setters do. Everybody's going to, you know, Alabama at home just doesn't lose. Uh, they're 23 and two, uh, the last 25 at home. And so I, I definitely said, but under the, over the total, you've got LSU that gives up big plays on 15% of their offensive possessions for the other team. Uh, give up big plays. So I would lay the poor. I, uh, I would probably lean toward LSU, and I definitely go over the total. Jack, when our listeners go to your website to sign up at fatjacksports.com, what will they receive when they sign up? Yeah, one sixty nine everything through Monday. Less than a hundred dollars a week through the end of November. You get Breeders' Cup for free, and you're going to make money betting on games. All the games are posted and documented. They're emailed to you directly. Very hassle free. Go to fatjacksports.com. Sign up today and win this weekend. Have a great weekend, Jack. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Chicago's home for sports. Black and Abdallah. ESPN Chicago. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. This is Black and Abdallah on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Fucking Abdallah on a Thursday night, hanging out with you. You want to join the conversation, you can call us at 312-332-3776. We love talking football. 
And we take football very seriously. Very, extremely. That's why our next segment is one of our favorites. It's Chauncey's Animal Picks. Do you want winners? Chauncey knows a keeper when he sees one. He sees every angle and knows all the right calls. Get your picks from a man who was raised by the frozen tundra. It's time for Chauncey's Picks with Black and Abdullah. That's right, Chauncey from Chauncey's Great Outdoors, 6 to 7 a.m. Saturday mornings. It's Chauncey's Animal Picks. And Abdallah, where does he stand on the rankings at this point this season? Chauncey went undefeated last Woo-hoo! week. How about that? I mean, there was there was one game. There was one game. Uh, but uh, Chauncey went undefeated, 1-0. You can, hey, you can only play the games that are there, right? There's only one game. Chauncey mm-hmm. had the Ravens, 1-0, and he is 15-9 and on the year. How about that, Chauncey? Undefeated last week, one game. I but... know. It, it was a very happy week. And that I it was only one game, and you know I was pretty. I was like, eh, you know, you blind squirrel can find a nut some days, you know. <laughs> uh, Chance, before we get to the picks, uh, snow yeah. on Halloween. What's going on with Mother Nature? You're the captain of all of Mother Nature. What, what's the deal here? Well, you know, <laughs> you could call it El Nino. You could call it whatever. You could call it the you know all of the smoke and mirrors of the politicians and the. People, you know, coming up with different ideas. You know, Mother Nature isn't that beautiful woman who walks the fields of flowers with long, lacy gowns and flowers in her hair. She wears leather pants. She rides a Harley, and she will whoop you up the side of the head when you get comfortable. That's how I felt earlier this week. All right, Chauncey, our first matchup for this weekend, Seahawks and Ravens. Who would win in this matchup? Seahawks and the Ravens. Uh, You know, it's an interesting thing because, you know, the the Seahawks are, uh, and as I always say, I call them an Osprey. You know, they're better on the the long ball. They're better on, you know, they're able to grab, they're able to hold and hover. Uh, Ravens, you know, the Baltimore Ravens, they are just a smart bird, a really, 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 really smart bird. And I, I think that the, the Ravens will use their ability and their brain power to, uh, you know, little moves and different things on those Seahawks because they're not going to be able to respond as fast. And then, boom, they're going to score. So I'm going to have to go with the Ravens on that one. Going with the Ravens again. All right, I like it. I like it. Only two matchups this week, so our next one, the Colts and the Panthers. I'm interested in this one. We've talked about these two teams a lot this year so far, the Colts and the Panthers. Yes, and I mean, this is going to be a, a tough one because uh, the in the, the Colts, as we are, you know, know with the horse, you know, they're, they're not a predator where a Panther is a predator. And, you know, the, but the Colts have got this strength. They've got the height. They've got the ability to jump up and over a Panther uh, on a line, or they just their sheer size can intimidate a Panther. But the Panthers are really good at, um, you know, doing some, you know, quick short runs and, and stuff like that. They're not good for the long haul, but they're good for those short runs, you know, down and outs and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm kind of impressed by the Panthers. But you know what? I'm going with the Colts, and I may be the only person on the face of the earth. 
Going Colts. Going Colts. All, All right. right. I like Ravens it. Ravens like and it. Colts. I like it. All right. We got the picks. Chauncey, this weekend on Saturday morning, what should we expect on the show? 6 a.m. Saturday mornings right here on ESPN 1000. Okay. This week we're going to be talking about uh, – with Tim Mondel from the Forest Preserve District of uh, Cook County and all the really cool things that are going on in, in November at all the different nature centers and uh, different locations throughout the Forest Preserve. And then we're taking a little ride down to southern Illinois because what you have to remember is, okay, it was 20 degrees up here. And down in southern Illinois at exit 77, which is Benton, Illinois, where Ren Lake is, you know, okay, in the morning it was 30 degrees, and then by 11 o'clock it was 55. You're in sweatshirts and jeans. So, you know, let's go down south and do a little bit of fishing with Jason Johns of right. uh, Boneyard Guide Service, and that's what we're going to talk to him about, all the fish that are going crazy this time of the year down at Ren Lake, which is a 19,000-acre lake in Illinois that there's nothing on it except shoreline. No businesses, no companies, no resorts, nothing. Sounds fantastic. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Oh, it's a great place to go to have fun. I think we need a road trip, Jones. Yeah. I've, I've done a couple Show of live remotes from down there. I know you have. We, both Adam and I have worked those shows. <laughs> you, you, you had them when you were working on board, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, God, Chauncey, what are you doing this to me for? You know? <laughs> Thank you, Chauncey. We'll be listening on Saturday morning, 6 to 7 a.m., well, right here on ESPN 1000. Thank you very much, and you guys just try to stay out of trouble this weekend, whatever you're up to. We will. Thank you, Chauncey. Thanks, Chauncey. Bye-bye. Do you want winners? Chauncey knows a keeper when he sees one. He sees every angle and knows all the right calls. Get your picks from a man who was raised by the frozen tundra. It's time for Chauncey's Picks. With Black and Abdullah. Well, there he is, Chauncey from Chauncey's Great Outdoors. We take football extremely seriously here on the program, and therefore we take Chauncey's picks, Ravens and Colts. Black and Abdullah here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. We'll take your phone calls at 312-332-3776. Now, Abdullah, last night the World Series concluded. The Texas Rangers win four games to one over the Arizona Diamondbacks. And the World Series is over. We have a new champion in baseball. And also, we have a MVP who won previously. That would be Corey Seager. Corey Seager won the MVP for the second time. Hello. Now, now here on the program, if you're not familiar, Hello. Uh, when Corey Seager won his first MVP award, it was back in 2020, uh, the COVID World Series, where the games were taking place in Texas, but Seager was playing for the Dodgers. Remember, there was a neutral site location for the World Series. Here's Rob Manfred, if you don't remember, handing over the trophy for Corey Seager <laughs> when he won his first MVP. I must say this before we play the audio. He was medically cleared after this. Medically cleared. Here's Rob Manfred. Corey, you thrilled our fans throughout the postseason with a great performance. You led the Dodgers to a World Series victory, and it's my pleasure to recognize your great play with the Willie Mays Most Valuable Player Award presented by Chevrolet. Yes, Rob Manfred. And, and before you go after Black and Abdallah and you say, guys, you're making fun of a guy who's having a problem, he was medically cleared. Medically cleared. Supposedly it was an audio issue. But Corey. I would like, once again... Corey. 
to thank Corey Seager for thrilling the fans. Throughout a postseason that nobody watched. Corey. You made special highlights on the social Corey. And because of that, people sighed. Nobody watched. Corey. More people watched a rerun of I Corey. Love Lucy on MeTV than watched the World Series. Dude, MeTV, thank you. MeTV's showing Seinfeld now. This I'm was serious. Late. This was later at night, Chris. Me, me TV's not showing shows that are in black and white. They're You're showing shows watching. from the 90s. You're Corey. not watching. He thrilled you and he thrilled yes. me. Yes, yes. You he thrilled, thrilled the fans. fans. Yes, throughout the postseason. Corey. On a great performance. Yes, we're aware. Well, you know, what was so exciting here on the program was uh, that not only did Corey Seager participate in this year's World Series with the Texas Rangers, not only did the Rangers win the World Series, but Corey Seager had himself a series. Yeah. He was the best player in the series. And heading into last night's game, it seemed like he had a chance to win the MVP. He had a big hit. He broke up the no-hitter last night. Yeah, first he did. score on the first run on the board. Mm-hmm. How about Corey Seager? Corey. And Absolutely. So the Black and Abdallah Army. <laughs> we all assembled. As the podium was put together near shortstop and second base out in the infield. And we said, oh, wow, you know what's going to happen? Corey. Rob Manfred's going to have to hand over the trophy again to Corey Seager. Corey. You thrilled our fans once Corey. again. And, and this great audio. You thrilled our fans throughout the postseason with a great performance. Right? Like, and we were pumped. So, like, all jokes aside, let's, let's give him a chance, right? He was medically cleared last time. I'm sure Rob Manfred has a very nice uh, prepared speech. Uh, for, I'm sure they worked out all of the issues, right? Yeah, for the all Texas the Rangers. Uh, so here we go. Last night at the podium, you know, first up, before you get your MVP trophy, you have to hand off the World Series trophy. Here's Rob Manfred last night. 63 years is a long time to wait, but the Texas Rangers are World Series champions. It's my distinct pleasure to present the Commissioner's Trophy to Ray Davis, Neil Liebman, and Chris Young. Oh, no. What, what happened there? Thank you to the Rangers. You thrilled our fans throughout what, what the postseason with what a great that? performance. 63 years is a long time to wait. I think he's... But the Texas Rangers are World Series champions. <laughs> I think he's reversed... It's distinct pleasure to present the Commissioner's Trophy to Ray Davis, Neil Liebman, and Chris Young. I think he's reversed oh, Benjamin Corey. Button. I think wow. he's getting younger. Corey. I think that was him going through puberty. Corey... And then he left. Well, and then he dipped out. Kevin Burkhart is the one who handed Corey Seager the trophy and announced that Corey Seager won his second MVP of the World Series. Dude, I was Rob so Manfred mad. Manfred only handed out the championship trophy to the Texas Rangers. Dude, I was so Corey. mad that he... I mean, obviously someone Corey. heard his voice and was like, let's go, Rob. All right, uh, where Kevin... Are you, where are you taking me? Kevin, you gotta do this. Where are we going? 63 years is a... <laughs> It's a long time. I've waited so long for the Rangers to win. It's Black and Abdallah. This is Chicago's Home for Sports on FM 100.3 HD2, the ESPN Chicago app, and ESPN 1000. This is Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's Home for Sports. 
You're listening to Black, Black, Black and Abdallah on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. If you miss something, get the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. Thank you to Jay Cantu and Sean Graney for producing tonight's show of Black and Abdallah. We'll return tomorrow night. At 6, 6 to 8, all calls welcome on a Friday with Black and Abdallah. Abdallah, it's time for the song of the night. I want to rock! Hey, turn up the volume and don't touch that dial because it's time for... What dial? There's no dial on my phone. Yeah, it's just an... Crank the volume because it's time for Black and Abdallah's song of the night. Yo, later. We're going to soul coughing. Let the man go through. Your song of the night, 1996, right here on Blocking Up Doll. Why are we listening to Super Bon Bon by Soul Coughing? Super Bon Bon. Uh, that's a great question, Abdallah. Your pick tonight, it's a song that you remembered from your days of listening to the alternative rock station here in the city. Yeah, so we heard uh, from Our Lady Peace. Uh, we heard from Stroke Nine. And I was like, I remember this one song that was on like a compilation. And so I sought it out yesterday. And I was like, this is a great song. Soul Coughing, uh, Mike Doty, who was uh, a door guy at the Knitting Factory and then formed Soul Coughing. He's, he's had like a thousand solo albums. But when he was with Soul Coughing, everybody remembers El Oso as like their big record. It was their last record in 98. But this was off of uh, their second record, uh, Irresistible Bliss. And it's one of like, it just sounds so 90s. Yeah. And I love it. Love it so much. Soul Coughing actually had more success as like a soundtrack band than uh, as like a single band. Like they were on a, they were like on Spawn soundtrack. They were on a bunch of different soundtracks. Well, it's uh, kind of the, the way, 90s. That, that's like how you found new audiences. You know, now everything's streaming. Yeah. But like back in the day, the, the way to do it would be you would have to get the positioning in the, the stores, the CD, the record stores, or, you know, the positioning of where your album sat in the store. That doesn't exist anymore. No, it doesn't really. And like, 
this this song was okay. Like it didn't have a lot of success. It was on a soundtrack, but like as far as like success goes, I love this song. I think it's great. It's one of Super my Super Bon Bon Soul Coughing favorite songs from the nineties. Sure, song of the night with Blocking Up Doll.